What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. My guest on today's episode is MK Williams. She has been busy building a brand, 12,000 followers on YouTube, how to publish your first book, as well as a fiction writer. And I think the thing that excited me so much in this conversation is that when we dig beneath all of the different things that we're doing, MK and I share a desire for us to be our number one customer. That's kind of an interesting thing because I've been putting this podcast together for several years and it's really been focused a lot on how to market books. That's because I'm marketing books and so I thought why not share this information with you. But I've also been transparent about the fact that I have a podcast to get my brand out there. Uh, And that is a humbling moment in this conversation as well. Both MK Williams and I have realized that Building a community around yourself of authors is not the same as building a community around yourself of readers. So this is a wide-ranging conversation about the journey from writing your first book to self-publishing, having an agent, what you should do with traditional publishing, and there is so much meat to dig into here. I think you're going to really love this episode. If you have not heard MK Williams elsewhere, go start listening to some podcasts where she is featured because great conversations sprout up every time she's a guest. In other news, I've done a complete redesign on my sales page for the Ammo program, and I'm working on launching that with some what I would consider to be your cheap dime store book covers. So I'll give you more information about how that's going to go. Had a great conversation with my friend Rich. He's been a, a guest on this podcast. He is a guest host occasionally on this podcast, and over the weekend, 
We brainstormed a lot of things, and I thought, why not make that like spinner rack cover that everybody's looking for that looks just like a, a James Patterson? I don't know if I'll even do it well enough for it to work, but I'm going to self-design it and get them out there and see if that helps the books to sell more consistently. So stay tuned on that. And without any further ado, well, just a little further ado, there's also some library updates. So I'm going to do my best to try to get you a Monday episode here in the next couple of weeks because there's been some really amazing developments. But I want to give that in a more coherent single episode now without any further ado. Please enjoy my conversation with M.K. Williams. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. So I think when my husband and I first found the FIRE community, we loved the idea of like, yeah, we could be done. We just travel the world. And then I think what we realized is that he actually really enjoys his job. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of realizing he's like, yeah, travel is fun. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if we did slow travel, he's like, what would I do all day? He he genuinely enjoys his job. And for me, I knew that I would want to be writing. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd want to be working on my books. I'm going to be working on my novels. And I was like, so I'm always going to be working, even if it's not for a paycheck per se. Um, And so we kind of rearranged our priorities. And in 2019, we did what we call the fully funded life change, where um, we had a good amount of money saved. Um, I had fully funded my 401k for the year. Um, You know, the work, I, I really enjoyed my job, but I was getting more opportunities um, on the writing side. And I thought, well, this is really my chance to kind of make a go of being a full-time author. Um, and then things at work started to like get a little toxic with some leadership changes. And I was like, sweet, that's exactly what I needed from the universe to tell me to get out. Um, yeah. So I I left to become a full-time author. And with that, um, you know, some of the opportunities were people asking me for help with their self-publishing or they wanted to do kind of like set up an indie press. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, and originally I was just giving that time away for free. And when I had a full-time job, I couldn't write my books. And I was like, oh, and well, I have time to do that and and write my books. So um, we kind of did more of like a, a fully funded lifestyle change, knowing that um, I told myself in mid-2019, I was like, okay, if in a year, if I'm not making like a salary, the same that I'm making for my corporate job, but at least something um, that I would go back. And of course, by mid-2020, the world was upside down. Um, but a lot of people were coming to me for help finally self-publishing their books. Um, so I was able to definitely make that. So it, it's nice to know that financially, you know, we're not going to lose our house. We're not going to lose uh, our cars. We're not going to lose our, our source of income um, if I have a slow month or, um, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows that comes with being an entrepreneur. So that definitely gave us a really good foundation to have some of that financial discipline because obviously I have to use a lot of time discipline with mm-hmm. writing books. So um, yeah. yeah. Talk to me a little bit before we dive too much deeper into some of the kind of the numbers, uh, because you are a very structured person, or at least you give the appearance of being structured. If you're not, you've done a good job of building the (laughs) structure around you. Um, But talk to me a little bit about the balance of writing versus everything else that goes into it. Uh, And I'll Mm -hmm. front load that by saying, I feel like probably... 70% 70% of my world is marketing and 30% is writing. And and mm. I would love to get it more 50-50, but you know, finding mm. readers is really important. How about you? 
Absolutely. I think that's constantly a thing I was fighting against, um, you know, before I was a full-time author, even now as a full-time author, because I say full-time author, because that's like, you sending me to you and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a full-time author. Like, oh, okay. But absolutely. I think the majority of my time is spent doing the author business things and not writing. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, I think if I tried to write for six hours a day, give myself a lunch break and a snack break, like I, by the end of the day, it would be gibberish. Like it would not be my best quality. So I, I need other things to do. Um, but I did constantly find myself veering off to, but this could be more local. Well, this could bring in more money and, and like mm-hmm. almost chasing some of these other hallmarks of having um, a creative entrepreneurial business and just realizing like, wait, but that's not my goal. My goal is to not be X many figures YouTube host or X many figures right. coach. My goal is to be an author. Um, and yeah. so constantly having to like check in with myself on that. So it's a constant battle. I, I do think I am fairly structured now um, that I have my daughter. She's two and a half. She's almost three. So my work time is when she's napping. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have, thankfully, she still takes nice long naps in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, I know that's not true for every parent, but I have two hours every day to get my work done. And so I'm like, that's when it happens. And wow. so I know once a month when um, it's a new month, I have to do like my accounting and my bookkeeping. So that day is like, that's what I do there. And then every other day, it's like, okay, well, if I need to create more videos for YouTube, I try to just do that in a batch. It takes me out a week between filming and editing. And then I have the rest of the month to write. Um, so I've I've constantly had to find a new flow and a new balance mm-hmm. for each season of life. Um but yes, it is a lot of time spent marketing, thinking of things. Um, and, you know, I am very grateful to have a, a partner and my husband who's constantly questioning me, like, is this the best use of your time? Like, shouldn't you be oh, writing? Wow. And I was like, yes. But like, if yeah. I don't actually post about my books, then nobody will know that they're there to read. And so yeah. figuring out which platform makes the most sense and things like that, um, it's constantly a, a battle. So any author... Who's who's in that battle? Like we're all we're all in it together. Like there's no, yeah. I don't think there's any author who has it just figured out. No, I don't think so. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know this about you, and I probably should. But how, are you doing any kind of paid advertising for your books, or do you rely as much as possible or, or completely on uh, your your YouTube presence and other areas of of social media and organic? Traffic. I do. Yeah, I do rely 100% on organic marketing right now. Um, and so I I had been doing some paid advertising. So in my previous corporate job, mm-hmm. I worked in marketing. Yeah. And so I saw how quickly some of those advertising budgets just exploded. Now, obviously, it yeah. was a different market. But I and that was spending somebody else's money. And I even thought right. like, sticker shock. And right. some of that is probably coming from the Fi community mindset mm-hmm. of like frugality. Um, but I several times I, I tinkered with Amazon ads uh, myself, not successful. I actually paid somebody last year to do Amazon ads for my self-publishing books because um, I was like, well, that's a more direct thing, right? Yeah. Like you have a question, here it is. And so as we were talking about it, I was like, great, he's going to manage it. He knows what he's doing. I can focus that's on right. the writing. It was one of that those things. through like, Reedsy, is that right? I think I remember mm-hmm. you talking about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the person I hired was really knowledgeable. And I, I definitely want to front load that by saying that I don't think he did anything wrong. Yeah, He did point out, he's like, so self-publishing books, a lot of other people in the self-publishing space know to do ads and therefore mm-hmm. you're competing against a lot of people for the same keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found that the second that we turned Amazon ads on, all my organic sales dropped. Yeah. Yeah. That is such all a... Them, like flatlined. That's, that's okay. For one, yeah. that's terrifying to me. 
Yes. Uh, for, for two, <laughs> yeah. So I I had, uh, it's very rare that this happens, um, but just yesterday, and it was intentional, and it was bad timing, I had a, a tweet that took off. I'm still calling it Twitter and tweets until he changes the, the URL because it yeah. <laughs> calls itself Twitter. So yeah. anyways, I had a, a tweet that took off and it got a bunch of impressions, a ton of replies, and people were buying my books in libraries and requesting them. And, and it was like uh, a really amazing moment. This morning, I looked at it, it was slowing down. And I was thinking to myself, what if I just paid 10 bucks to keep promoting this? Because I know that that libraries are acquiring my book through mm-hmm. the request process. And it's I, I'm going to make more money doing that than I would not. Mm-hmm. I pushed the button to promote. And then I was like, oh, let me see where it goes. Since I did that, nothing. Just pushing the button. I didn't even commit to advertising. It 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 alerted them to the fact that it was a possibly paid tweet and killed it. So mm-hmm. my own bad mistake. But I think it's a little bit scary that we're mm-hmm. at their whims and that uh, organic is really, really tough. Do you find yes. anywhere that is effective for you right now? Um, I'd say my biggest channel organically is YouTube. And that's something I started in 2018. Um, I didn't know anything about YouTube. I just thought like, oh, people make money on YouTube. Yeah. But the, the biggest thing was that people kept asking me for advice, like, oh, you've self-published a few books. How do I do that? Yeah. And so just spending so much time responding and wanting to give that personal response and, and like be there for other authors. And I just found it was taking way too much of my time. I wasn't able to write my books. And I thought, I know, I'll record a video. It feels personal, even though I'm saying the same thing every time. I'm like pointing people to different things. Um, And so I started doing the channel um, and I had a lot of just very slow organic growth until I finally was like, oh, like this is how you use keywords here. This is how you tag something here. This is how you do descriptions. And then my channel definitely took off. So I'd say my YouTube channel is my best source of of sales for my nonfiction books about Mm -hmm. self-publishing. It's the best source of me booking um, consults with people, of people signing up for the membership for the channel, obviously. Um, and so that's kind of my best channel there. I just hit 12,000 subscribers this morning, which like blows my mind yeah, because I congrats. spent the first, thank you. I just spent the first like two and a half years hitting my head against a wall, not able to get yeah. like 100 subscribers. So um, that's pretty exciting. As far as the fiction, it is just a slog. It is mm-hmm. me like going on podcasts and then like, I'll see a trickle here, a trickle there. Um, I'm starting to tinker around a bit more with TikTok and kind of understanding things there. Um, and it's it's just a tough go. And I think nine times out of 10, when I'm like, I have to promote a book, I'm like, well, it's easier for me to promote my nonfiction to my audience of authors that I know want to self-publish versus my fiction books. And so that's kind of my own personal like limiting belief of like, no, I just need to do it. I put it in my calendar. I have reminders that tell me each day like, post a review, like do a reminder for the series, like all those things. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be cringy. Like, uh. <laughs> um, so it's constantly reminding myself and having those reminders set and being like, no, just do it. Like, just do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I had a moment. So the, this podcast has been going for uh, two years, a little over. Um, and my whole first year, I really focused on on marketing. I ended up writing a kind of a short book on marketing and thought I would use mm-hmm. it as that that lead uh, generator, the lead magnet. And mm-hmm. um, I did a little bit of that and just started realizing, again, this is funny because it comes in stages for me, it seems, and, and perhaps you can relate, where I realized ah, I'm not going in quite the direction I want to go. I don't mind writing nonfiction. I would prefer to write an essay or uh, any kind of nonfiction to other kinds of work. I don't want to be a content writer necessarily, but I don't mm-hmm. mind writing nonfiction stuff that I think is helpful. But what I started realizing is is similar to what you've said is I love 
novels. And so I've, I've this past year, even especially the last eight months, focused with laser intensity on the belief that there is a way to sell novels. There's a way. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. still haven't totally found it. I mean, and Absolutely. I don't think there's a single method, but I'm saying there is a package of things that we can do that we can sell novels and make a living. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a massive living, which mm-hmm. let's go back to Fi and say, if I could make $30,000 uh, gross, I could find a way to survive. What a small like sum of money that you have to make in order to do it. And yet mm-hmm. how incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess my question here after a really long soapbox is, when you look at at the gap between what you're able to do with nonfiction and how like easily quote unquote mm-hmm. versus fiction, is it hard for you to turn toward the fiction, even though you know that's sort of where your heart's at? Absolutely. And I think that's been my biggest challenge this year is knowing like I had um my my latest nonfiction book. It's actually a huge phone book workbook of like everything you need to do and work through to self-publish your book came out in January. And so in my mind, I know I could write another book on on some of the questions I get all the time. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that'd be a whole nother topic. I would love to do that. But I'm like, but I'm never gonna be known for writing my novels if I don't yeah. write novels. Um, and so definitely taking a step back this year, I'm actually going through the process where I've now signed with an agent. Um, we're oh, hoping awesome. to take, yeah, we're hoping to take my latest novel that I've been working on for years um, to on submission soon, hopefully. Um, we're still okay. working through some edits. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, and if that book gets acquired, fingers mm-hmm. crossed it happens, it could still be another like year and a half before it comes out. Yeah. And so hoping to say, okay, well, if there's an advance there, even if it's small, mm-hmm. okay, well, is that enough for me to say, I'm actually going to let go of these other things fully and just yeah. focus really getting into my craft, really getting into novel writing, because that's ultimately what I want to be doing. I don't know if a decade from now, two decades from now, I'm going to have the stamina to stay on top of all the new platforms and the mm-hmm. new technologies and the new gadgets and gizmos that come with self-publishing for myself, let alone providing that information to others and really being an authority on it. But as far as my novels, like I don't think I'm going to run out of ideas anytime soon. Um, And so it's been very difficult to kind of let go of, but this is safe. This is what I know. And also having built a community from my Mm -hmm. YouTube channel of other self-publishing authors and wanting to encourage them and wanting to see them succeed and not make just the mistakes that I see so many people make where I'm like, I'm so glad you missed that mistake. I'm so proud of you. Um, (laughs) But knowing like, ultimately I need to be focusing on who are going to be the readers for my novels and building that community there. And it's almost like leaving the safety and comfort of like indie, indie authors were so like nice and fun to hang together. But like, I need to my books to go out further into the reading world Mm -hmm. of people who have no concept of how books get made. They just like to read books of uh, people who so-and-so recommended it to me. It's in their book club. Like those are the people I ultimately need to be in front of and and kind of cracking that code. And it's a lot of trial and error, um, yeah. more error than success, but um, trying something new. Yeah. Yeah. I have had this experience too. And so I think this is this this segment of the podcast is brought to you by don't do as as either of us have done. Uh, don't surround yourself with other authors. I think that it's a really, really important marketing tip for any author at any stages. Be friends with authors, but don't seek them as your community because they are not the people who are going to read your books. Authors, I hate to say this, and some of it may be uh, 
stereotype a little bit, but authors in general are not book buyers. Um, and I can even put myself there. I, I buy used books as cheaply as I can. And part mm-hmm. of that is because of the volume I read. If I bought mm-hmm. everything new, good grief, that would be uh, six figures worth of books every year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's tough then to say, where do I find readers? People who don't mm-hmm. want to write. Uh, one of my good friends here in town is a reader who never wants to write. And yet, because of my life experience, I'm always like, why don't you write something? You read so much, you know? So it's weird. Uh, do you have a, a solution that works? Like, because you're doing your channel mostly for nonfiction, what what are you seeing that brings readers toward you now? Mm-hmm. So one thing I've started to do is realizing because of the size of my YouTube channel, when right. I first started on YouTube, I knew that there were people reviewing books, but I was like, they're never going to review my book. Now that I have a few more followers, I've actually had some success reaching awesome. out to some smaller book review channels. I just had one of my science fiction books reviewed by a science fiction and fantasy book review channel. And I was like, sweet. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping to keep parlaying that because then not only do, do they review it, so I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to repost it on Instagram because she posted it to multiple channels. She's trying to grow her brand as a book reviewer, bookstagrammer, booktuber. Yeah. Um, so she posted it to multiple channels. Okay, so I reposted on my multiple channels. But now it's like, okay, well, now on my website, when you go to that book's page, hey, here's more content of people talking about my books and reviews that's yeah. received. Um, so trying to parlay that into some more of that and repurposing my time into still within this community on YouTube, right? Uh, people mm-hmm. who talk about books and and authors um, is saying, okay, well, like, let's find some other people to talk to. Um and, and see if that, that can help uh, get get out to that. So that's one of the things I've been trying to do lately. Not every person's gotten back to me. Some people are probably yeah. just inundated with requests, um, which I totally get. And and I definitely agree with your comment about authors. Authors are really great to connect with for maybe some of your like advanced review copies. Yeah. Because um, again, if you've got a reading habit, it is expensive. Um, yeah. It's definitely more expensive than having some of these other... Um, you know, consumerist addictions. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm always going to the library. And if an author has um, an art copy, I'm like, I will sign up. I will read it. I will leave you a review, yep. but I am so glad to get to read your book and not have to pay for it because it is expensive to buy every book brand new. Um, so yeah, I think the reader community is great for ARCs, but yeah, starting to branch out to some of these um, book reviewers on Instagram, on YouTube is mm-hmm. really great. Obviously, the bigger their channels, the more they're like, I, I can't, like I, I literally can't, or you're on the pile for two years. Right. Um, but there's a lot, If I think you can get a good groundswell if it's, if you can get a dozen small reviewers to look at it, that's great versus yeah. the one really big reviewer. The one really big reviewer is great, but if they only post about your book once, mm-hmm. People miss it. People just aren't checking their their feed that day. People yeah. are distracted. The algorithm gods just don't smile on you. Um, so I think kind of having more of a, a widespread approach is better than just putting all your eggs in one super big influencer basket. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, Brad Listy uh, has a, a show called Other People where he interviews authors and he really focuses on uh, literary fiction for the most mm-hmm. part. Um but I know that to be on his show, you would get a fairly big boost, even just one interview. Uh, what what caused me to think that is, is um, I infrequently, but sometimes listen to Joe Rogan. And occasionally he'll say to one of his guests, oh, uh, you know, you're on Joe Rogan right now. Everything's about to change for you, you know, because he has millions and millions and millions yeah. of listeners. So there are situations where a really big boost would be amazing and it would change everything. It would change mm-hmm. everything. But for most of us, it is all of these small accumulating actions that we take that build things over time. Mm-hmm. Do you have a sense of impatience at all with with how things work? How often are you fighting yourself and thinking like, God, can I just break already? 
Yes, I definitely had those moments. And I will say something about like the one hit podcast is that I was very fortunate to be on the Choose Five podcast, which is one of the biggest personal finance podcasts. And at the time I was on it, it was like the biggest up and coming one. And I will say, and I I know we mentioned before we started talking, I was barking up the wrong tree. Yes, that book, Enemies of Peace, was what I called FI fiction, like financial independent fiction. It had a lot of things that I knew the community would enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I saw a bump. I I definitely want to say I saw a bump in my sales. It was not a runaway hit. It was not an overnight success. It didn't go viral because not everybody listening to that show reads. And if they do read, they're probably reading personal finance books, not fiction. That's a brilliant point. I realized I was barking up the wrong tree. And I I love the personal finance community. I loved working with Brian Jonathan. So like no shade to them. Like the the being on the podcast was a boost to me. Yeah, absolutely. Was it the runaway success I thought it'd be? No. Like yeah. I've also been on Joanna Penn's podcast. Like, yep. oh my gosh, like the number one name for indie authors. Exactly. And I didn't see my books all of a sudden overnight no. go viral because, yeah. well, lots of people who come on her show have books tailored to authors. And That's right. if you're not a first time author, mine don't appeal to you. So um, yeah, there are a few moments where I'm like, come on, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, so I don't know if you remember Julie Nolke, she did that video that went viral early in um, 2020 of explaining the pandemic to myself. Okay. And she had several that come out where it was like her talking to herself, but it was like back in January and she's like, go yeah. out, have fun, live. And she's like, why? Why? It's like, oh, there's, there's stuff going on in the world. And she's like, oh, okay. And it's like, invest in Zoom. And it's like, what? Um, and it yeah. was just really fun and it went viral. I mean, her channel just totally took off. Now she has like 3 million subscribers. And so yeah. I actually watched an interview that she gave about that, about this thing of like going viral. And she said, what people don't know is years before that, she's like, I've been in LA. I'm originally mm. from Canada. I've been in LA. I've been going on auditions. She's like, my goal is to be the next Meryl Streep. My goal is to be the next big yeah. actress. Like I built this channel to work on my comedy and to work and like have mm. more of a portfolio to show studios. She's like, I had 50,000 subscribers before this happened, which sounds like big deal. She's like, but in YouTube terms, it's yeah. a drop in the bucket. She's like, so yes, when this finally went viral suddenly yes i had this whole backlog of years of doing videos that people could watch and she said it was one of those things like you're just putting a drop in the bucket Mm -hmm. drop and you don't know which drop is going to make it spill over but you keep putting the drops in and that's what i have to remind myself all the time we're like i keep putting drops in the bucket the drops are there and i'm hoping it's getting full and i'm hoping i'm hoping hoping and eventually something will spill over and i think one thing a lot of newbie authors don't like to hear, but that's important to hear is it stamina. If you mm-hmm. can finish the book, if you can finish writing the book, mm-hmm. you are already in like the top 10% of people who say they want to be right. an author. If you yeah. actually get the book out and people can read it, you're in like the top 1%. If you can do that like five or six more times, you've already surpassed so many people who yep. gave up, didn't have a stamina. And I don't mean to say that's something bad on them. Maybe it wasn't the experience they wanted. Yeah. Maybe they had big life changes and they just couldn't dedicate the time to it. Maybe they were like, this isn't the dream I really want. My yep. dream is really doing something else. Um, but I think if it truly is the dream and the passion and you stick with it, it's it's kind of an inevitability over time that something will hit. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that persistence and kind of having that naive hopefulness of every time of like, this could be the thing. This could be, but the, this thing. Could be the thing. Yes. Um, yeah. And then of course the crushing defeat when it's not the thing and then you do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't remember who it was who said it, but somebody recently uh, was talking about the idea of getting back up. It's it's very much linked to your uh, idea on stamina, which is absolutely true. Um, but like 
it's that it's it's the um, it's the stamina to go and then the crushing defeat when it's not the thing and it feels like getting knocked down and just standing back up is really difficult especially if you picture your life as a game of whack-a-mole and the universe as the big hammer that hits you back down and you're like okay i'm still gonna pop my head back up because eventually i, I get that moment i get the break i'm looking for if i just persist those are really good, uh, I think, message, messages that I've had hammered into my head through the FI community, through the real estate investing community, a lot of alt communities that are not where we are, the trees we're mm-hmm. barking at, but they're still, they're mm-hmm. great at building your sense of just no matter how much it hurts, I'm going to keep going and eventually something will work. One thing I wonder though, and I wonder if you've considered this before, we don't really have to talk about it if you don't have any thoughts on it, but what if it's not true? What if you can keep persisting and just like, it's not meant to be? You know, <laughs> you know there's um, there's a nice state of delusion we can just live in. And yeah. I think that also goes back to defining success, right? So obviously yeah. so many of us in our society, we want the big name. We want the bestseller list. We want the big sure. stickers to put on, but we want things like who isn't going to jump for those carrots. But I think it's also redefining yeah. the success. And so for me, when I look at the success for my nonfiction, I'm like, did I help somebody? Does somebody okay. reach out to me and say, because I bought your book, I didn't make these expensive mistakes. I'm like, yeah. sweet success on my part, because it literally hurts my head when I hear people that make these successes and uh, these mistakes. And I'm just like, no, I can't. I can't do it. Like I mm-hmm. just stop doing that. Just just don't do that anymore and just do this. Um, and making the same video over and over and over again, telling people to stop make those mistakes. Yeah. So to me, that's a success. On my fiction side, I try to look at the success of is did I write this book better than I wrote the last book, which is such great grammar, hmm. obviously. Um, but to say, like, is my craft improving? Did I set a challenge for myself in writing this book and in getting it out? And do I feel I'm I rose to that challenge? You know, when I wrote enemies of peace, I really said, okay, I want this to focus on multiple storylines and plots. Before my books, it was really just like, this is the one thing. The first novel is about an alien invasion. That's really the main plot. That's yeah. kind of survive the aliens. And the second one was a collection of short stories. So they all really have kind of one, one plot line in each story. Mm-hmm. But for enemies of peace, I was like, I want to tie in multiple plot lines together. That's yeah. something I really hadn't done. And so I thought I did it well. I was like, great. Yeah. For the next book, I was like, okay, well, like, I want to make sure like, I'm not just stagnating and only having these really strong female characters because mm-hmm. I am a female. So I tend to write more female yeah. characters. I was like, I want to write from a male point of view and and really make oh, sure cool. that I can bring these male characters to life. Um, and so issuing a challenge to myself with each book to say, did I meet that challenge? And that's a success metric. Because then, yes, yeah. all the other things, big sales numbers, big, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. But yes, as long as I feel exactly. like I'm growing in my craft and that's successful. Um, and in that way, yeah, I can keep standing back up and going back at it say, okay, what's mm. the next thing I need to work on? What do I need to do better? What could yeah. I challenge myself to? Um, and sometimes it's a timing thing of like, can I get this next book out in the next yeah. year? Can I get right. the book out before the baby comes? Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and things like that. And, and sometimes it really is focused on, on the craft. And so I think for anybody who is feeling constantly beat down in terms of mm-hmm. the the shiny glittery carrots to jump for of like success sure. metrics is go back to as a writer what would make you feel like this book is successful that you're proud to have your name mm-hmm. on it yeah because at the end of the day yeah your name's on it you better be proud of it yeah. um yeah the the way that i started to think about it because i i did I, i've always had this like absurd optimism and in fact recently i've gone through kind of a, a bumpier time than normal uh and so I've been talking to people about how it almost feels like a disability or a 
uh, an illness in my brain that I can't quit. But even when I think everything points toward quitting, I wake up the next morning with 10 new ideas on what I can do to get in front of more readers. It's absurd. It's stupid. <laughs> I think you need to have it in order to, to be doing this. But it makes me reflect a lot on tiers of success. So what, like, like you were just talking about, yeah, we all have the carrots that we want to jump for, but there's, can I write a better book next time? There's also, I think, points financially for our writing mm -hmm. that it just the community doesn't want to talk about finances and writing very much. And I think mm -hmm. it's important to what level of income from my books is the first tier? What am I going to strive for? It has to be something that's mm -hmm. uncomfortable, that's pretty far out of reach or feels like a stretch, mm -hmm. and then going toward that. Do you incorporate that into your journey at all? Or is that still feel a little too like... Yes and no. So I've had some macro goals in terms of sales where I say, I think there was one year I was like, I want to average out to have sold one book every day. No, great. That's oh. going to be a little lumpy when you have launches, you get a lot more sales. But I was like, yeah. that's what I want. And then I looked at my gross royalties from that year and I said, okay, well, maybe I could get 10% better next year. Yeah. Um, and then as a reach would be 50% better next year. Um, and so for me, that's kind of a fun like gamification of like, how can I do that? Mm -hmm. okay, how, how can I really be reaching that? Um, but I think what's interesting when it comes to the numbers with self-publishing and indie publishing or really any author is that a lot of people will talk about what they earned, what they bring in, mm -hmm. but they don't say how much they spent to do it. And yeah, so that's kind true. of one of my pet peeves when I listen to podcasts, especially when they talk with really seasoned self-publishers who've been doing this since the dawn of KDP. And they're yep. like the first like Kindle millionaires. And like, oh yeah, I just threw up my book and I just put up a few ads. And then overnight I sold thousands of books. And I'm like, right. how much did you spend in ads? Yeah. What was your cost per click back then? Because right. if I were to try to run those same exact ads now, I would probably spend 10 times as much mm -hmm. that that person spent. Um, get it'd be way harder to get in front of people. It's definitely saturated. Yep. And then it's like, okay, like I know an author who went three grand into debt to launch her first book. Yeah. And now for her subsequent book, she's like, well, I feel like I can't hire the same cover mm -hmm. artist because it was really pricey. And I feel like I can't do the same promotions because it was really pricey. And so knowing the the chance of her breaking even mm -hmm. and getting out of the red is much more difficult. And yeah. but to look at the numbers, she was like, I had a Kindle deal. I was like number one for a couple of days in my category, yeah. but that still wasn't enough to ever overcome kind of the financial hole. So I think for me, and I think for other authors, the day that you break even on what yeah. you spent for your book is is a really exciting day because everything after that is profit. I think kind of getting to a point where you see, okay, like I could cover groceries this month. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of exciting. Kind of these yeah. little wins yeah. in between because all of a sudden being from zero to a salary, that's a lot. That's a, a lot of pressure to put put on your writing too. Um, and so just, just kind of these these little wins are like, oh hey, like mm -hmm. we, I was able to take my family out to dinner on my royalties. Okay. Yeah. So maybe now they'll stop talking smack and <laughs> say it's yeah. okay that I write crazy alien books. Um <laughs> and, and things like that. So it's uh I think it's important to kind of look for those little financial wins to build up to the big ones. And that's kind of what you see in like the FI community, right? Like you have like yes. the debt snowball and things like that's that. Right. It's almost like the royalty snowball. Like what's the what's yeah. the first hurdle to cross? Um, so yeah, I do like the day you break even on your book. A freer of brand new author, the day that you get one cent uh, from a book sale, that's exciting. Celebrate that. Um, but the, yeah, the day you break even, the day you can cover like one really small monthly bill um, mm -hmm. and then like start to build it up until suddenly it's like, oh, like this is my, this is my income. Um, it takes yeah. time. It takes patience. It takes multiple books. Um, but yeah, you'll get there.
I love that. I, I, I really enjoy that perspective. I, I am so bad at having the really big goals and even the, the goals that are, are incremental or tiered, like I'm talking about are still really big goals. I don't know what is going to, to happen over the long term. Like I said, I have a sickness in my head so that I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I can't visualize an actual way that I quit, but I do know that, that I sometimes have those days and I'm, I'm writing more books and, and working on more things. So. It's a it's a strange uh, journey for us. I know that you are pretty big into libraries. And so I mm-hmm. wanted to take just a quick pause to ask you any kind of tips or tricks you have for libraries, because I think it's a an underappreciated marketing avenue. Uh, mm-hmm. And it can really have some some kind of big uh, rewards. What, what's been your experience there? What How do you get into libraries and have you seen a boost because of it? Yeah. So a few things with libraries is definitely for an author, check out your local library and ask, what is your local author program? Do you highlight them some way? And this is kind of like a tale of two counties. So I live in Florida. I live in Tampa Bay. We used to live in one county on one side of the bay. We moved across the bay. Like 15 minute move. Mm -hmm. Very different library system. So in Hillsborough County, you know, they had a local author problem. They would program, they would occasionally say, okay, we're going to do like set up tables at one of the branches and all the authors mm. can come out and you can sell yeah. books and you can sign them. Um, I had like a friend who went to the library to find it. And I was like, I couldn't find this on the shelves. And I said, oh no, this is in our local author display that's over here. And I had like ah. a special sticker on the side of my book oh, there wow. Okay, that, you know, cause they always have like the genre and they had a special sticker mm-hmm. that was local author. So like really cool. Did a lot. This side of the bridge, they do Nothing. not care. They don't. Yeah. They don't. Um, and so that that was kind of a nice thing, though, to, for that county to say, hey, every time I had a book come out, I filled out the form, they would acquire it, they would let me know it was acquired. Um, so they had a really good program. So I would say that's kind of the first thing. Mm. The second thing is to let people know. I think the number one thing that authors miss is that people say, oh, where can I get your book? And they say, Amazon. You just get yeah, it on Amazon. That's right. That's right. Okay. I like to tell people, you can get it anywhere that you find books, even your library. Mm-hmm. Because right. And I have to practice it a lot and say it a lot because I think a lot of people, when you default to Amazon, well, you don't know what's going on in their mind. They may be like, I just canceled stuff from Amazon because right. I just couldn't stand it. Yeah. Or they're like, I really want to support my indie bookstore and not this mm-hmm. billion dollar company that keeps yeah. messing up my orders. Um, or some people are like, yeah, I can't afford to keep buying books. I just started budgeting. Mm-hmm. And so when you say anywhere you buy books even libraries, that lets people know like, okay, I should be able to find this. Uh, sometimes it's too many options. Um, and I do let people know, I'm like, if your library doesn't have it, you can always ask them to purchase it. I even have yeah. something on my website. I saw another author do this. So this is not mm-hmm. my idea. I borrowed it from her. Uh, but I have a PDF that's kind of a preformed yep. Dear Librarian. I would like you to purchase these books. And I actually have then a page of all my titles, the ISBNs by format, yeah. so that they can be like, here go purchase. Um, So yeah, I think it making it easier for people to make the ask of their library, making it easier for libraries to say yes. Um, Yeah. And constantly reminding people like anywhere you find books, if you usually get books in your library, ask your library for my book. If you usually get your books from bookshop.org, because it's going to support indie authors, I'm there too, you know, and just letting people know that because when you constantly default to Amazon, well, no surprise, all your sales are from Amazon. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah, there's something cool about libraries, and I, I'm I'm early enough in the journey that I can't really say uh, if there's going to be a ripple effect or not. But mm-hmm. um, I had Eric Otis Simmons on the podcast. I had discovered him just through some research, trying to figure out what was going to work. He was a guest on on Joanna Penn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he and I talked about the, the, the process and he has this amazing database that you can use to reach out to the right people at libraries. Cause that's the other tough thing. I walked into one of our libraries and asked the, the assistant director. And I thought assistant director is a pretty big title, but she didn't have any clue actually how the acquisition process worked. Mm-hmm. And so knowing the right person to talk to is really, really important. But what you said and what I, what I discovered almost on accident was, if you can get people to take action for you, your books will be acquired at a much faster rate and a much surer rate. So like I can mm-hmm. ask the library to carry my book and they need a reason why from me mm-hmm. versus if the patron just says, I'm interested in reading this. They don't be like, why, why are you interested in reading it? They just say, mm-hmm. sure, we'll, we'll buy it for you. Well, you know, yeah. it yeah. takes so many steps out of the process. I've, mm-hmm. I've been shocked. Yeah. Um, do you do events at libraries then or anything like that uh, now that you've moved across county or have you ever built anything up like that at all? No. So I I did the events when I lived in the previous county because they held events and they let us yeah. know like, hey, we're doing something. Do you want to sign up for a table? Um, when they did, especially when I was working in corporate America, when they did weekend events, I could do it. When they did weekday events, I was like, I'm not going to take off work for this. Also, who else is going to take off work for this? Right. Um, and then since I moved to this side of the county, I now have a baby girl. So if we go to a library, it's going to the kitty section. So yes. I haven't done any library events um, since we've moved, but it's something I'd like to get back to. Um, but yeah. I, I find that this this county's library system is less supportive. So that's kind yeah. of like a, a caveat. Not every library system is the same. Not at all. Absolutely not at all. I'll, I'll hear mm-hmm. from people that like I, they will not buy indie authors. That really does happen. So I know it's crazy to me. It's insane. Frustrating. Um, when you did do library readings for the events, did you sell books in those cases or because uh, that's I had a friend that I just did uh, a book selling event with. And she said that she had quit going to library events because people who go to libraries check out books. They don't buy books. Did you Mm -hmm. experience kind of the same? Absolutely. And that was at a a phase when I was still early on and I had like ebook only. I thought I was going to save all Mm -hmm. the trees. I was like, ebook only. Oh yeah. Don't hurt the trees. No. People want want paperbacks. I I clearly, I didn't, I didn't make a dent. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, I didn't see a lot of sales and I didn't see a lot of people going to purchase. Yeah. A lot of people was like, Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And like, we're talking with the authors and the authors say like, Oh yeah, my book, my book is over there. If you want to check it out. You know, I found some of the benefit of having those events is bring somebody with you to take photos of you at the event. Yeah. You got your table, people are talking to you because then that turns into really good, just like, um, organic marketing of like, oh, yep, I'm an author. See, I'm at author events. I'm doing author yes. things. You don't right. know how many of these books sold or didn't sell. Exactly, right? <laughs> you can tell I'm an official author. Uh, I've got a table, table with books on it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that's one thing too. And that's that's the marketing spin of it all. And I think that's the toughest thing for authors. Um, and that's actually a challenge I even had, you know, because my book is getting further along. We're hopefully going to, su- to submission soon. Um and so my agent was like, okay, can you revise your query pitch to make it a bit shorter, kind of mm-hmm. highlight some of these new things? And I was like, you want me to take this 80,000 or 80,000 word book mm-hmm. and make it 200 words when I already it's had 350 words? The worst. It's it's yeah. so hard. It's so hard. And to think of the marketing spin and all the different things, it, it is the hardest thing to do. Um, yeah. And so thinking of different ways to spin what you're doing as an author, that's the hardest thing. And you know, I follow a lot of other like creative artists. Like I have friends who are painters and potters. Mm-hmm. And like you guys are so lucky because you can photograph or videotape the entire process and it's visually yes. dynamic and right. it's cool. And you have all these things. Whereas like my process is me like hunched over, slumped with yeah. like 
probably some potato chips around my mouth, (laughs) like writing my book. Like that's not, no one wants to see that. Right. Um, And so I think for authors, any chance you have to show doing something with your books, whether Mm. you're at a library event, you find your book in a library, um, you find your book at a bookstore, um, you are mailing a copy of your book that somebody ordered. You don't have to say it was your aunt. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I've done you know, all these things. Absolutely, putting it in like a little local library, a little free local library in your community, things mm. like that. Um, it it really helps to spend like, oh, like you're a legit author. I should legit check out what you're doing because yeah. clearly there there's some social proof, some some evidence that this is real, not just random. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different places that we could go in the conversation from here. I I guess I want to hear a little bit more about your like how far out are you planning how far out are you thinking what kind of um because we talked in the beginning about you having systems so i'm, I'm interested in mm-hmm. the back-end systems for you in terms of you're starting the waiting game with an agent do you intend at this point if you get a book deal to to stay traditionally published would that be your hope or do you want to be hybrid what's your what's your future kind of outlook for mm-hmm. authors who are in a similar spot to you or just looking to the future and trying to think that through. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this was something I had to think through for myself when I was playing yeah. the querying waiting game um, was that I have this current book that's written. I have another book that would be in a similar vein for a similar audience. It was really the audience for the genre that helped me make the decision to try and go traditional where yeah. I was just like the kind of person who's going to read this book does not read any books, not because they're sticking their nose up. They just, they do not find their books through those channels. They find their books through traditional channels. So I knew how to do that. So I have this current book that will hopefully um, go out to editor soon, as well as another book in the same vein that I'm starting to write. Um, and then I know I, I need to be a hybrid author because I have a third book in my sci-fi series that needs to mm-hmm. be written. Great. I need to finish it. Yeah. So 100% that's going to happen at some point. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I would lo- I would love to continue with that process if it means, hey, here's an advance, here's a paycheck. But I mm-hmm. know that they're and, and marketing support. Um, yeah. That would be nice to have something o- over mm-hmm. nothing. But um, I, I think it's going to depend on the experience. It's where the, the ideas come. If I get an mm-hmm. idea for a really great sci-fi and they're like, well, that's kind of not what we're building for you here. I'll be like, okay, well, I can go do that over here. Um, And that's, that's a good conversation I had with my agent when we had the call, um, kind of deciding if I was going to sign with them was, yeah, like she would be supportive of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously wanting to keep me all things going well um, on on a good traditional schedule as well. So um, that's the hope. Yeah. The the ultimate hope that I've said since I I started as a full-time author and like having client work and and consulting people and helping them out was like, I ultimately want to be my number one client. Yeah. I ultimately want to be the number one only author I'm helping. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Not that I don't like helping and supporting other authors, but like there are so many hours in a day. And mm-hmm. for me to really improve my craft and market my books, it needs to be almost that selfish tunnel yeah. vision on getting it done. But I I also do want to help other people because I I I don't like the idea of being that shut off author either. So it's balancing that. But yes, ultimately, um, I do have several books in my mind that I know I need to write, that I have ideas for that I'm I'm working through notes on. Yeah. Um, And sometimes it scares me when I think, oh, I only have like three in the pipeline. And I'm like, Mm. no, I I will think of more as they come along. So much more. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, 
so yeah, I do I do usually have a pipeline of ideas that I can tap into. There's never been a time where I finished a book and I'm like, I have no new book ideas. Mm, yeah, that same here. It's yet to happen. It's really interesting when people ask, uh, my my wife's grandmother asked me, it seems like every time she sees me, she's where do you get the ideas? And I'm like, I don't know. They just come. I just have them mm-hmm. like doing my thing. The more that you write, the more ideas come to you too, I think mm-hmm. is, is true. I want to talk to you about uh the like how you've bent your fiction career toward trying to write for an audience but before we get there um yes your number one client that was the other thing that i wanted to stop on because i have said the same thing and somewhat recently in terms of uh just even the podcast is a lot of energy i don't think that people understand and it may maybe even more for you because you're doing the video element i don't i'm not tied to it i can do it if i have time i don't have mm-hmm. to but this is antithetical to FI in some ways. And it's why mm-hmm. I'm not quite as close to the communities that I used to be. But I mm-hmm. think about hiring people and having uh, uh, people do these jobs for me and, and having a bigger budget to do that kind of stuff. Is that something that you think about in terms of being more efficient? Or do you do you think of sloughing off the things that as you as you can replace it with the with book income? Yes, I think about it. No, I don't take action on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of in this weird no man's land with YouTube right now where I am monetized. I have 12,000 subscribers, which is not yeah. nothing. But right. again, no, in, in terms of like YouTube subscriber, I'm still like a little blip. Um, yeah. And in terms of the income that comes in, I don't make enough mm-hmm. to justify the cost for an editor for each video. Right. And so it's again where it's like, okay, so hopefully I'll earn more slowly over time and then I could pay somebody to edit them for me and I would get time back. Um, I think some of the things I already have in mind for if, when, crossing fingers, I do get a a deal for this next book is reinvesting the advance for marketing and saying, okay, like this is the first time there's hopefully significant upfront uh, money to be able to do that. Hopefully, again, I'm just crossing mm-hmm. my fingers and hope right. the universe is hearing me and think positively on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I would like to outsource more. Um, I think where I get stuck is also, well, what's the ROI on this? Mm-hmm. You know, how much yeah. do I value getting that time back? Um, and I think as my daughter kind of grows out of the toddler phase and doesn't nap and may not be a, uh, I'm going to push it off. It may be a, it has to happen mm-hmm. um, in terms of, and maybe even it's not hiring somebody else to do my marketing, my video editing, but saying, okay, like I need to invest in a daytime nanny who's going to come a couple of days a week and play yes. with her and engage her and teach her so I can do this um, yep. and figuring that out. And so that's some some of the ongoing conversations I have with, with my husband, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just with with myself to figure that out. So I, yeah. I wish I had a more clear answer. And, and I do think, a lot of us build into our minds, well, if I hire somebody for this, this is a forever cost. It's not. You can try That's it out. Right. You can see if it works for you. If you decide to drop an entire line of your business, it's like, okay, well. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always have to be forever. And I think giving myself permission to say my career should evolve mm. um, over time and it should not be stagnant has given me permission to say, yeah, like this is this season and wh- what's it going to look like next year? Like, I hope it looks different. And this is how I hope it looks um, yeah. and go from there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the idea of maybe you hire somebody thinking that it's going to buy you a lot more time and then you realize it doesn't buy you as much as you had hoped. Uh, the the video editor, the podcast editor, I'm positive would save me a lot of time and it would actually up the the production quality. So 
I make I make choices about how many ums and ahs and and things like that that I cut that uh, don't necessarily serve the conversation the best. Or uh, I've had conversations even with you right now. There are ways that if I had the time, I might rearrange pieces just a little bit for the sake of clarity. But I know that the episode that'll come out will be pretty much linear. I'll cut sections where like I went off to to use the bathroom or something like that. But otherwise, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to make massive changes to it. Having an editor do that would up the quality, possibly get me some new listeners. But all of that is, you do have to have it built in somewhere or know where it's coming from in order to do it. And and that is kind of an ideal moment. So let's wrap up because I think I've already taken you just slightly over time, but let's wrap up with uh, talking about, have you changed your fiction genre style or elements to fit a readership hoping to be more appealing to people? Or are you writing exactly what you want to write? Uh, readers be damned. I'm writing exactly what I want to write. Um, yeah. And that is that is definitely antithetical to what you would hear a lot of advice from very successful self-publishers say. Like, if you want to mm-hmm. write in the genre, you better match in the tropes. And, and, you know, I'm thinking of like romance where like, if you don't have a happily ever after, right. they're, they're not going to like it, yep. you know? Um, yep. And so I, I'm not in that genre. Um, you know, I've always written the books I wanted to write. And I think when it comes to thinking, I do you know think about marketing as I'm going through. And I'm like, okay, well, like what would be the comparable titles? And I think with science fiction, you're still able to be successful self-publishing because some of those readers can be voracious. They they really just constantly want, want to go through mm-hmm. series. Um, I think for some of my more just like my fi fiction and things like that, like there was no audience for that, but I wrote it. Um, yeah. You know, and I did my best doing the rounds on all the five podcasts and you know, using this network of friends that I built up at, at camps and things and being like, Hey, you should check this out. Yeah. Um, but like the current book that I I'm working on, you know, I wrote it, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, the comps for this title are not necessarily science fiction. It's definitely more speculative fiction. Um, okay. and I was just like, this is not, this isn't something I would see doing well in, in the indie space because mm the people who are voraciously reading books and constantly need to tap into that indie space, they're they're not coming for this book. Um, and the kind of person who would pick this book up just isn't finding their books through that. And so that was kind of the yeah. first time I was like, huh, this is where it's kind of biting me in the butt that I've, mm-hmm. I've gone on this route where I have this book that I don't think I can market through self-publishing channels. Um, and so now I'm learning a lot going through the traditional process. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I write what I want to write. And it's definitely been a detriment financially, I'm sure. Like if I had just said like, I Mm. am going to only write science, like hard science fiction, like Mm. alien invasion stuff, that's me 100% and gone all in. Yes, it would have been so much easier to take the readership from one series to the next to the next. Yes. I just didn't do that. Yeah. I I completely understand where you're coming from. I have had to do some things that I would consider practical decisions. What I found I was really happy about. So I wrote... um, the Nine Lives of Marvin Along High. Um, knowing originally, I got out of my MFA. I'd written a literary memoir-ish type of thing. Um, and I knew I wanted to write something that was a little more commercial. So that was a decision. But uh, after I wrote it, then I thought it was always going to be a standalone novel. Eventually, I realized, okay, I might need to actually have a series here to really sell well. So I have made some of those choices. But um, I, I love where you're coming from. And that's really fantastic. So for those people who are listening and want to get your books, want to connect with you, want to know more about the services you offer for nonfiction authors, or not nonfiction authors, but your nonfiction services for authors, tell them <laughs> where they can find you. All right. Well, I am at one, number one, MK Williams everywhere on the internet. Um, I used to say it's because I'm the one MK Williams, but apparently there's a guy 
in England, <laughs> who's also MK Williams, but I was here first. Um, but he's a dude. So if you find an MK Williams on the internet and he looks like a dude, it's not me. Yeah. I'm the one who's very feminine looking with the long hair. Um, <laughs> and so I'm on YouTube. Uh, you could search Author Your Ambition or MK Williams. You'll find me on YouTube. Um, and as far as my books, as I mentioned, they're literally anywhere you can get books. They're all on Amazon, whether it's my nonfiction, Author Your Ambition series of books, or any of my science fiction um, or short stories are, are on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Nook, Hoopla, Overdrive, Apple Books, Google Play Books, your library. They're, they're everywhere you can think of um, under MK Williams. Perfect. Alrighty. Well, it was a pleasure having you. Sorry, I took you a little bit over time today. Yeah, um, well, stay in this touch. Was fun. Yeah, this is yes. fun. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?